0: Today's video features a chat with Jeff from Fluent American. When I found Jeff, I had just had to have him on the show because until now, I hadn't found anyone in my field doing things in a similar way to me. I didn't know this before, but we had a surprisingly similar background and our views now on how we want to help people and how we're running our business. But here's the thing, at one point, Jeff gives us a tour of his studio. And if you normally listen to my podcast in the audio only version, you might just for today want to check out the video version on YouTube to actually see his studio. It's really cool because you can look around and see how he sets things up. But I want to tell you, this is not really an episode about technology or using technology as a teacher, but it's really a discussion of how anyone could get to where we are, even if they don't know much about technology in the beginning, like you might be. So especially if you're an English teacher listening to this, I hope you find this episode really inspires you to get started in taking your teaching to a wider audience. So thanks so much, Jeff, for joining me. I'm really excited to meet you in person. I've been following you for a little while and you're really killing it. So thanks a lot for coming today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the kind words. So first,
0: maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got started, what your background is. And then today we're going to talk a little bit about how we're both using tech for teaching. And to me, it was really interesting to find you because... Most people that I know don't really put as much into their production and things, what we're doing. And also it's even rarer, I think, to find somebody in our field who's doing that. So I'm really excited to talk to you today (laughs) and have that be shared with a lot of people. But first, give us your history and your start. And how how did you come to be doing Mm -hmm. these things?
1: So undergrad, I was an English major for lit and then also an Italian major as well. So I studied abroad. I have experience learning languages. I reached about C1, C2 for people who used to European framework for Italian. Mm. And then I got my master's degree in ESL in around 2010. And that's also when I started teaching. I started at a language center domestically in the U.S. I was a teacher. I served as an academic director for a couple of years at a language center. I was an IELTS examiner for speaking in the writing tests. I then went back to just teaching <laughs> and... As I was teaching at language centers, I also started teaching on the side online. So that was my first foray into online teaching. That's probably around like 2016, 2017 or so, which turned out to be very fortunate because you're familiar with ESL and ESL is one of the fields that is very quickly impacted by things that are happening globally. So if you. If oil prices go up or they go down i guess it's the better example Mm -hmm. you lose your your middle eastern markets, your brazilian markets Mm -hmm. things like that if the dollar gets stronger you lose another market so pre-pandemic basically had to close a lot of centers for the Mm -hmm. um the school i was looking at so in a lot of ways it was very beneficial that i was online Mm -hmm. because i basically just switched everything there because you can't just find another language center because they're all shutting down and Yeah, so I was doing like just general teaching, and then I kind of over time was like, I I think I want to focus a little bit more on pronunciation related things. It's a topic that a lot of teachers aren't necessarily covering. It's it's also a topic that's really dominated for the people that are doing it. There's very Heavy presence from like female instruction mm. for pronunciation, not a whole mm. lot of like males in the field. So just trying to give that additional perspective as well. Mm-hmm. It was something that I focused a lot on when I was studying Italian. It's when I was the academic director, we started our program's first pronunciation course. So that's been the thing that we've been really geared towards now. So that's a two minute Summary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we have really similar trajectories in the past. Like I was probably getting my master's in T S all about the same time as you. I worked for a lot of language schools as well. So I'm coming from an ESL background and also Mm -hmm. always saw the need of like "Hmm, more pronunciation for myself, for students, for the schools that I was working for, all of that. And maybe very similar to you, I had already started working online when the pandemic hit, and I was working physically in a school as well, because I'm now here in Mexico, and I was working for a high school there. And yeah, it was just perfect timing to say, oh, I guess we're making this shift now. And when I was in my master's program, I was doing my master's online. So back in that, at that time, 2010, whenever that was, I was like, one of the only people I knew who was doing any master's online. And now it's just par for the course. And people didn't used to know what Zoom was. And so many things changed so quickly, that especially in the pandemic, right? You turned around and suddenly all the teachers had to scramble and figure out what Zoom was. And how do I share my screen? It was such a thing, but maybe we were a little bit ahead of the game. But now I feel like we're both really ahead of the game. So I wanted to talk to you about what you specifically have found useful, what you're doing exactly, you know, what you can offer people, how you find that your approach maybe is different in that way. Because I feel like we're similar in the idea that I think learning should be an experience, right? And well, the more of an experiential learning experience you have, then the more memorable it's going to be. And one of those ways is really just being live with people. There's so many asynchronous things that you can do, and that's increased a lot as well with the availability of what's online, but just being present, it's such a thing. So I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how you, what your approach is like and what you find is important in how you're doing this teaching.
1: So I think one of the trademarks that separates a lot of our videos from other English channels out there, I'm going to target YouTube specifically right now, Mm. and maybe focus on two different domains, focusing on videos on demand, like your long form videos versus streams, because those are just two different kinds of approaches, but also things that interconnect as well. So with our, our videos on demand, I think one of the things that I really tried to push to separate myself from other channels is when you look at a lot of the instructional videos that channels are making, mm. they tend to be very much talking head as in, here I am, I'm going to have some, maybe some text graphic over here. Mm. And that's pretty much it. It's going to be pretty static camera, one shot, edit, if there's editing, it's going to be just cuts. So you're going to get a lot of kind of jump cuts where I'm going to be here and I'm going mm. mm. to be here and I'm mm. going to be here. And so not a whole lot of attention paid to editing. Whereas the videos I was producing a lot more preparing scripts, moving the camera around, including a lot more visual elements to also incorporate storytelling, things like that. In addition to going over the the grammar points, basically just trying to capture what you you mentioned about an experience. Mm -hmm. Because the learning is important, but I want to make sure you have to be able to retain Attention as well, Mm. and so that that was something we really focused on. And then that that also carries over to the live streams too, because the live streams have to be thinking about things like microphone sound. You have to be thinking about internet connection. You have to be thinking about things like lighting. Can people see you well? Because I think the production quality. You can't just approach the stream as this is the stream that I'm doing for 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour, and then that's it. Especially Mm. if you're thinking. YouTube because there's the replay value. There's people who are going to find it afterwards, especially in the field. Yeah. So you're able to hit all the time zones because whenever someone's going to sleep, other people are waking up. And so making sure that you have content that is able to deliver for all those people, whether it's live or afterwards, you, by necessity, I think requires paying attention to the production value.
0: And what's would you say that you were just self-taught and learned as you go? Because that's what I've been doing is I was not a person who was really into technology and I break everything I touch. So for me, it's been such a process to learn and, oh, now I have this new piece of hardware and now I have this hmm. software and it's all oh, it's just been a continual thing for me. And I wonder if that's something you have always had interest in or you found that's been a hurdle. Tell, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Nope, self-taught. Uh, I think that's the way to go. You every day you just pick up a new skill. Uh, my mm. first videos are still out there. They're <laughs> pretty bad. The con- like the content. The way I approach it is the content itself is good. Yeah. But the delivery, if I had to do it today, would be very different. And I mm. think that when you pick it up on your own, the process certainly is slower, but it's also in in some ways more impactful because you understand the reasoning for why you're using this technique or why you need to focus on lighting because you know what bad lighting is because you had bad lighting or you know what bad sound is because <laughs> you had bad sound and, mm-hmm. and things like that or the difference between a dynamic microphone and a condenser microphone or the things like that just to be from picking up background noise and yeah, yeah all those Fun parts of production, yeah.
0: Maybe much like speaking, right? Like I I know like when you're speaking your language at first or second language or third language or whatever at first, you have that cringe factor and you don't want to record yourself, but you really should because when you look back on it later, you're going to see how much progress you've made. So important to keep those old videos that are never going to die out there, but to just take a look at them once in a while and just pat yourself on the back and see how far you've come because yeah, I was just thinking that just, just yesterday because my roommate is actually a, he does video production for animation and so of course, like compared to him, I know nothing still. And I got, I don't know if you use a stream deck. I just got a stream deck. And I'm like, woohoo, like leveling up my game. And and I was just you know, figuring it out yesterday. And uh, my roommate came home. and I'm like, look what I did. Look what I did. And I was like man, I thought you'd be more impressed. He's, oh, I'm just real. I'm always impressed that you're learning these things. And I just, maybe I don't say it enough. And then I felt like really validated because I was like, yeah, because I work really hard on this and it's not, it doesn't come easy to me, but Uh I recognize the value in it. And that hard work, I think has been paying off a little bit for myself and also for, for, I think for our clients, because when they're more engaged, they're more, they're more ready to maybe take how should I say this they're ready to take chances that they might not otherwise do there's a better connection between the people if you can establish that and I feel like that's one way that we're both really doing that and I love how you're doing that especially with your live groups and mm. I just wanted to first say congratulations nobody's patting us on the back much except ourselves so <laughs> let's take a moment and and give ourselves a yes. good job
1: <laughs> likewise. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank
0: you. (laughs) Absolutely. So here's a question. I I was just mentioning, oh yeah, I just got this stream deck the other day. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what kind of hardware software that you're using out there, things that maybe you've thrown out the window and haven't really liked and things that you really couldn't live without Mm -hmm. now. And that might help some of the teachers that would be listening to this right now decide on some equipment that they might want to buy or software.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, welcome to my studio. Okay, so, so there's my stream deck. I don't. I'm not sure how you're using yours. I wish I could do more things with it, especially with regards to editing. Like, mm-hmm. if there was like a pan button that would be huge. But mm-hmm. so mine is mostly for like sound effects. So, for instance, if I'm saying something and then I want to add something, Yay. I can just add a quick little sound. There's my soundboard. So I use a roadcaster. I have a second monitor that I can. There's a pen I can use with it, so I can write on that if I'm doing some classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Back there, so that's. I basically have two lights. So I have that one there, and then I have another one there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you can see my camera right there, too. So basically, that allows me to, if I'm shooting like a video on demand, I can basically have two studios, right? So I can face this right. way or I can face this way. So just mm-hmm. it keeps things Fresh. simpler. I would say if you're making videos, try to set it up so you can just do things as fast as possible without moving stuff around. I used to mm-hmm. just have one light it was huge i would have to move it over there and then move it back and that got annoying that's those lights are being held up by i forget what they're called it's like a, some sort of pole i forget the name of it oh, basically yeah. you it's, them it's exactly time. yeah exactly so it's held up there by tension so then i can just just string the light to it so tech wise those are the main things that i'm using pretty much all the time in terms of microphone i'm using a Shure microphone this is a S s was it mv7 which is not the SM7B. That's the fancier one. This is the ah, USB mm-hmm. version. And then you got the arm. I think in terms of tech, that kind of covers it. I'm going to give you back.
0: Ah, perfect. Let's get us back. This And yeah, gotcha. worth, it, worth it saying that if somebody's listening to this podcast now on the audio version, you might want to go over to YouTube and watch the quick video version just to see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the tour. Because we couldn't really... How should we say? We couldn't really talk about that in the same way.
1: What's on your shirt, by the way? See the oh, IPA, you know what?
0: On my shirt, it says... It says master an American accent.
1: And there you go. Okay. Yeah,
0: it says master an American accent, and I've got a couple T-shirts that have some IPA writing on it in secret code. Gotcha. And yeah, it's super fun, so you can wear those around. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you find that using IPA is is helpful to you. I know because I've gotten a little bit of flack. I got a lot of pushback in the beginning when I was doing videos and I was adding IPA. And now it's just, that's totally normal. I see a lot of people are doing it these days and I feel, oh, that's really nice because now I feel like most people are learning more as they watch more videos. If you see one video, And it's got some kind of secret code, then it's really difficult unless you're part of that community. But the more people do this, the Mm -hmm. easier it becomes for, I think, for everybody. So I don't know what your stance is on IPA versus phonetic respelling Mm -hmm. or coming up with your own code or anything like that. Maybe you can talk to your system a little bit more and your your kind of Mm -hmm. philosophies about how you do these things.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I think I don't have an issue with the American IPA. I know some people do, but I'm personally okay with it. It's I don't ever require like students to memorize or anything Mm. like that. One of the things that I often do early on with students is we do a pronunciation test kind of early just to identify the specific sounds we want to target moving forward. Mm. So that has the IPA. I basically just tell students, look, you don't need to memorize this. You're going to see it in Mm. some of the documents we use. So you might just get used to seeing the symbols over time. That's how I learned it. I didn't sit down and memorize it. It's just from doing it for 15 (laughs) (laughs) years. (laughs) You just get used to it. I think though. One of the things that really separates my personal approach from for pronunciation from other teachers is I see a lot of teachers very focused on mouth position things. And the mm-hmm. IPA is great for that because you really correlate those individual symbols with mouth position. Mm-hmm. But I, what I've found is that, and I don't know if this speaks to anything in your experience too, like I, I would have some students who they would have the textbook mouth position, but the sounds they were producing were still accented, noticeably Mm. not Mm -hmm. the the same as what native speakers would do. And so this is something I really started diving more into, let's say maybe four years ago or so. And I, I really started asking myself, why is this? And so that's morphed into my approach with pronunciation. So basically, I'm especially focused on four key pronunciation components. I'm really interested in placement. as in where you're projecting sound from. I'm I'm very interested in breath as in Mm. trying to make sure we're using our diaphragm enough. Uh, A lot of students coming in are reliant on their lungs to produce a lot of sounds versus their diaphragm. So trying to get used to engaging that element of their body in order to get a little bit more warmth and resonance, because Mm -hmm. in general, I think American English really likes that, especially Mm -hmm. compared to other forms of English. We're also taking a look at pitch patterns, Mm -hmm. making sure that when you're moving from thought group to thought group are you adjusting your pitch are you if i give you like a four syllable word the stress is on the first syllable are you able to navigate those pitches enough so there's enough contrast so elements are related to pitch and then lastly just trying to make sure that your vowel sounds are strong enough because a lot of students are coming in with backgrounds where the vowel sounds are getting reduced the consonant sounds are getting strengthened in many ways in my opinion american english is really trying to do the opposite
0: Oh yeah. Definitely. So in
1: those aspects the IPA I think is a helpful tool, but yeah. it's not necessarily one that we're using, especially once we've gone through the individual sounds that I mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. students to focus. How about for your own teaching? How are you finding the IPA? I,
0: when I first discovered IPA was actually when I was in university and I was taking a French phonetics course because I was, I decided I would be a French major after I came back from France. And, and I took this French phonetics course and it just blew my mind originally, right? When I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, these are the keys to the castle. This is going to just unlock all the secrets and all the languages. And obviously it's amazing. And it's wonderful. As you said, it's lacking. It's not the complete story. And I love using it when it's helpful, somebody right there are there are definitely people who it just doesn't resonate with them right it's maybe it's overload maybe it doesn't quite correspond maybe they're just not a visual kind of thinker but for for people who it works for it really works for and like you i don't really push it i don't require anybody to use it i use it myself because i know that they're going to see that when they go maybe go to the dictionary or in other places so i use it And I, but I also tell people, if it's working for you, pick it up. If it's not, just leave it, put it down. And that's fine. So like you said, through repetition, through exposure, there's certain symbols, there's certain sounds that they're just going to, they're just going to be more salient over time. And they're going to really see that, like that short eye sound. Right. And whenever they see that, they're like, oh, that's the one that I always get wrong. So... I do love the IPA. I love using it. And I also like how it creates community in a way that jargon does. If you're in any kind of uh, group of people, any kind of fandom or anything like that, you've got your own little language. And I feel like that connects people. So once they learn it, they also have this connection with other people who know a couple symbols. So I think it's really nice to create community, which is another thing that I was going to ask you about too in a minute. But I wanted to go back to the idea of the four things that you said because a lot of people don't focus on breathing. And when they get to the end of the sentence, I can't even finish a sentence. Because to me that also, there's a connection there between breathing and rhythm. And you were mentioning like syllable stress too, and how can I work on my pitch and kind of separate the systems of how is syllable stress related and different to word stress versus rhythm versus intonation. I think a lot of those things just get either ignored completely by most people, And because let's be honest, it's not low hanging fruit. It's difficult to teach those things. It's difficult to really get them. So I love that you're into that too, into more of the prosody angle of things, because I think that's where real communication happens. And I think that's where real connection can be made. You know, I think like you were saying, the the articulation, the placement of the tongue, that can all be textbook, but it doesn't, and and it doesn't mean that you're really going to click with somebody in what you're saying. So to me I'm I'm right, I'm right there with you with all those things too and I have found that most people are doing videos on enunciation and pronunciation and for me, I found like that's a way to really reach people because that's what they're looking for, obviously. They don't even know about this other stuff. And it, and sometimes it comes on too strong and you're like, whoa, I'm just here to pronounce some words and it scares people away. But once people are interested, they say, oh, this is so interesting. And they just keep going down the rabbit hole. And so I think that there's a segment of people out there that are interested in what we're doing too. And not just, let's say the simple pronunciation videos of, oh, this is how you hold your mouth. But I think there's a place for all of these things. Like when we were saying, oh, there's the live stream. Oh, there's the long format videos. Oh, there's the, maybe there's the reels, right? And I feel like each thing has its own place in, in like today's media world. And one of those things is the streaming. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about what you enjoy about your streaming process, maybe what what challenges it has, because I think that's an area where we can merge both, right? We've got the tech and we've got the community building aspect there. So can you <laughs> tell us a little bit more about like your streaming and what you're doing there?
1: For sure. Yeah, we're doing every day. We're probably doing about an hour to an hour and a half worth of streaming. <laughs> this is because on the main channel, I have a stream that I do every morning, 8 a.m. It's called Wake Up American so it's basically the intention is to give people just that daily pronunciation practice because you take a day off from language learning you feel it so our mm-hmm. goal is to really try to not let people encounter that sort of situation so we're covering different topics that's usually about a 10 to 15 minute stream on the channel mm-hmm. and then in addition to that i have a small group coaching program called mission english so we have a every monday through friday we have a daily pronunciation stream called wake up american it's basically to give people a chance just to get you know your 5 10 15 minutes of pronunciation practice in for today on different topics related to um, american english accents and then in addition to that i have a small group program called mission english for mission english we're meeting at different time zones so we're either meeting at nine thirty in the morning or 1:30 p.m new york time or we're meeting at 8 p.m new york time and Basically, I guarantee students, hey, if you're in the program, I'll be streaming at these times. We're going to do at least 30 sessions a month. Typically, mm-hmm. we're doing more than that. And then you can come to as many sessions as you want. And so basically, that's a lot. That's basically, again, like I said, about an hour and a half of streaming every day. In terms of platforms that we're using, the streams themselves are hosted on YouTube. There was a time we had them also hosted on Facebook and also through different like webinar formats. We're using StreamYard. Mm -hmm. Um, for that. And in terms of streaming, in some ways, there's some components that are similar to traditional long-form videos. If you're thinking YouTube, you have to be thinking thumbnail, Mm -hmm. video description. So basically, even before a stream goes live, you have to set aside 20, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. just to get the thumbnail prepared and get the, the video description. If you can do that the day before, that's better. For the private, small group stuff, you don't have to necessarily worry about that as much. But then in addition to that, it's you, you're hoping that all the tech works good. You're hoping the <laughs> internet is strong today. There's things that you don't always control. You're hoping that your settings stay the same. I'm sure you've encountered it. Sometimes you'll do a stream, you turn it off, you'll come back an hour later to do another stream and all the settings have completely changed. It's like, <laughs> I didn't touch anything. I don't know why it's like that. Making sure that your microphone's coming in correctly. So for instance, I'm using a a program called voice meter, because I want to get audio from, we have a stream deck with sound effects in addition to our soundboard. So I need something that can take in multiple inputs. Mm -hmm. So voice meter is the thing I'm using, but then you have to make sure that when you're on your streaming platform, that the audio is synced to the right source and not synced to my headphones (laughs) or not synced to the desktop speakers and things like that. So it's just, you're constantly double checking Mm -hmm. everything. You're making sure that the camera is set up to the right camera. You're making sure your background's looking the way it needs to look. Mm-hmm. It's Troubleshooting. And then troubleshooting. And the reality is that things are also going, things are going to go wrong at some point. It's just, that's, if you're live streaming, that's just part of the process. So mm-hmm. the question mm-hmm. is how, what are you preparing for those times when things don't work? So for instance, yeah. on StreamYard, you can upload videos. So if I'm having a tech issue, if the internet's slow and I need to restart my computer, I can play a video hmm. that's just like a—it's basically just like a time saver. So it's, I don't lose yeah. my viewers, yeah. and I can restart my computer. And as mm. I'm restarting my computer, they can watch that video. Mm. And then when I come back, that's there. Mm. So no one—I don't have to make a new stream and oh, things nice. like that. You so it's, that. always try to have your plan. Always have plan B's. Mm-hmm. You have to have plan B's ready, and you can't freak out if things go wrong. It's just like, it the cameras that. not working. Okay, worst comes. I showed you guys the camera. Like I can always just use my webcam if, mm-hmm. if something's going wrong you know? mm-hmm. if my one microphone's not working i have another microphone i can use mm-hmm. so having mm-hmm. backups being able and knowing how to switch between them as smoothly and quickly as possible without freaking out is yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and i think Two, something that you mentioned kind of ties in with that is that is the frequency with which you're going live and doing these things. It makes you more comfortable. It makes you realize that nothing's the end of the world. And it really just helps you to realize what's what the problem is, because maybe this time it's this problem, but next time it's the other problem. But you already know because you've already gone through that first problem and you get your troubleshooting down a little bit, too. So I, I wanted to mention that it it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. The thing that we do it every day and we do it for you guys who are listening. So just know that we love you. And I, I imagine, I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine we both really believe that this is the way to reach people these days is to just do it more often, go live. You mentioned scheduling and how you're, you were thinking about world time zones. And that was something I always had a problem with how other people were doing things was because it you can't there's no perfect time right for what we do because everyone's always asleep somebody's asleep somebody's awake somebody's at work somebody's dropping their kids off right it's just a really hard (laughs) thing to do scheduling so i've had to do something similar in that I've just had to open up multiple sessions and say, who can, whoever can come at these times, like here, it's open for you, come as much or as little as you want. And I really think that's another way to go that I'm hoping will be more popular instead of, oh, everybody has to come on Saturday. And for me, it's 11 o'clock because that's convenient for me, but that's not going to be convenient in most of the world. So I think we have to be more flexible in how we do those things and how what can we do that's live? What can we do that's asynchronous? How can all that stuff come together? So I, I feel like it's really interesting, and I haven't seen anybody mm-hmm. who's doing kind of similar things, so I was really excited to to find all the things that you were doing. And I'm really glad that you were able to come and talk today because I don't get the chance to vent about these things with other people or really talk about the tech as well. And you mentioned a lot of tech things. so what would you know? Absolutely. That's why I wanted you here. I wanted to talk about, what are you doing? What am I doing? Because it's fun to nerd out with these things with other people. Uh-huh. And I have a little group of teachers who we call it Accent Teachers Academy where I'm trying to teach them how to do what we do, right? How do you go from being an English teacher to being an accent coach or pronunciation coach or whatever you want to call it? And what because we know there's a lot of sides to this that you have to consider. So we always talk about these things and I would love to get your take on... Not four different microphones, not, I have three cameras and my light is set up on a pole and this is how I've got two angles. How would you suggest somebody get started with this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Besides the just jump in and just do it kind of Mm -hmm. thing, start messing. Something specific.
1: And we're assuming like video content?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely assuming video content.
1: Okay. So I'll just walk you through how I started. When I started, I was just using a webcam, Mm -hmm. this guy. Like Mm -hmm. a Logitech thing. If that doesn't work, you can use... Yeah, right? (laughs) If that doesn't work, you can use the camera on your laptop. Mm -hmm. Because something is better than nothing. And people Mm -hmm. are actually very tolerant of video. They are not tolerant of bad audio. But they Mm -hmm. will tolerate some video that's not perfect. Mm -hmm. So, most likely, whatever you have for video is already... Okay, mm. to get started, mm. until you mm. decide how much you want to start investing. Mm. The the first investment though you probably really want to make is a microphone. Uh, a very common choice is a snowball, like a a was it Yeti or whatever. That's a really common microphone people use to get started. the The thing I I would encourage you to be mindful of is noise and background noise. You want your audio to be as good as possible, and a lot of times the Yeti microphones just they pick up everything if my furnace turns on it's going to pick that up if someone's walking upstairs it's going to pick that up it's mm-hmm. good for what it is they're, they're relatively cheap microphones they're well known but they do pick up noise in some ways honestly a headset mic might actually get you some better right. quality you yeah, know, honestly totally. and it also gives you more flexibility too because if you ever for instance have guests on or things like that you already have the headphones as well so mm-hmm. in some ways that might actually be a better option for some people but Once that, like I would say, once you have those things get your microphone, decide what you're doing for your camera, just shoot videos, make a lot of bad videos, (laughs) watch your bad videos (laughs) over and over again and decide what you want to change. I think also just having a model, find an English teacher that online, who's doing something you want to do Mm -hmm. and watch Mm -hmm. a lot of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be an English teacher. Actually, it could be any watch a channel. Any YouTube channel who's doing you just their editing style and start to just get ideas about what you could do with your own videos. I think it's important to also look at content that's not specifically, you know, teaching.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. Related. Especially I feel like in our field, especially the older the video is, they're all quite homogenous, right? It's all like a guy with a uh-huh. whiteboard and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like if, you, if that's not what your goal is, maybe look outside the field to see who's doing something in a style yeah. maybe that you really, yeah, and maybe it's the editing. And one thing I wanted to say too is not the post, maybe post-production editing, but I think that's one of the things that maybe where we're both also getting better at i can speak for myself is mm. doing things live and increasing the production value as we're doing it so what you just mentioned Uh with the cameras and the viewpoints and things like that because i noticed that in your live stream you're really conscious of just switching it up and just changing the Uh camera angle and keeping people interested visually too and not as Uh you just said a talking head kind of person so yeah i would ask you a little bit about that and and say maybe what are your favorite let's say Uh scenes are you using because this is miles ahead of where most people are going to start but Uh where people might want to get to so what are you using right now besides your hardware? What software mm-hmm. are you using, for example, maybe for your editing, for your uh, gotcha. for your streaming besides StreamYard? Mm-hmm. Like, what else do you use?
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So in part, of, just to touch on a point. So when I'm doing a live stream, I want that. I, I don't have time to edit everything right now. A lot of my energy isn't on my main channel creating like long form videos mm-hmm. so the li- the daily live streams i do are a way for me to keep the channel active mm-hmm. keep people engaged while i focus on other projects because mm-hmm. if you're looking for like video on demand I- i'm not i don't make as many right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. But it's something i'll come back to in the future but that's not the focus right now so mm-hmm. my goal is like when i'm doing a stream i need to make it as high production value as possible, Mm -hmm. because I just, I'm not going to come back and edit it later, at least not right now. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're doing different angles. We're moving things. Those are called like pattern disrupts, because basically every eight, 10 seconds, shifting Mm -hmm. viewpoints and things like that just helps to re-engage your your viewer. So I'm doing as much of that during the stream itself. So that way I don't have to go back and, and edit it intensively later. In terms of software, so again, I'm using StreamYard. One of the reasons I use StreamYard for the plan that I have, again, it allows multiple cameras at once that I can switch across. If you're interested in a platform like StreamYard, but you don't feel like paying for the the higher tier, what you can also do is you can send yourself a link as a guest and you can join with your phone. So your phone, that's something in my earlier streams, I was just joining as a guest with my phone. So Mm -hmm. my phone would be my second angle as opposed to having it uploaded. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's one option. In terms of editing, sound editing, Audacity. Honestly, mm-hmm. for most of what I imagine your viewers and listeners are going to need, Audacity is fine. Yeah. You know, if you're doing like a lot of like music layering and things like that, there's other programs that are better, but for mm-hmm. what we're doing even just like basic podcasting, uh yeah. Audacity's free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be a little bit intimidating if you're not used to it, but even if you just use Audacity to for the noise reduction features, even just doing that
0: mm-hmm.
1: really ups the quality of your sound. If you want to take it next level, the next thing I would study after noise reduction is I would study probably like noise gates.
0: Mm-hmm. So that way,
1: mm-hmm. if you have a, let's say you have your air conditioner or your furnace and you're like, man, this is constantly in my audio. It's not like super loud, but it's always present. And I want to take that away A noise gate can take that away. If mm-hmm. it's not potentially, so learning how to use those settings. In terms of video itself the big things i'm using i use movavi for my video mm-hmm. it's beginner friendly but also has a lot of the relatively advanced stuff it's not like premiere but yeah. for everything i need
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: good um, i'm not familiar with that do- is
0: that for editing or is that for what? what is that
1: used for mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so that's for video editing okay yep you can do some sound editing or adding some stuff you can do like some basic like background removal and things like that it's not again it's not as advanced as like premiere but I think it's relatively equivalent to I don't know what the word Apple programs like Final Cut, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. DaVinci Resolve. I can mm-hmm. do most of the things that those other programs are doing as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm using for video editing another program that I downloaded, which it's it's a subscription, is called Descript. Oh, so I Descript use that. So Descript lets you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it basically. It allows you to input video. It's good if you're interested in like podcasts and video podcasts, you can mm-hmm. upload the video onto there. It can then add a transcription. You can edit the transcription. So if you want to take out blocks of text, you just erase those words, and then the mm-hmm. video automatically matches that. You can add subtitles to the video. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is that it's it's not a light program on your computer so if you have anything that's i think the laptop i have right now i really need to upgrade it's about eight gigs of ram Mm -hmm. it's okay if you're doing if you're really invested in video you you really want to have at least 16 gigs of ram it's not Mm -hmm. ideal it Mm -hmm. works but it's not ideal anything less than that i really wouldn't want to do anything on and descript is a it's a beefy program so it can run a little and you Slow. open two
0: windows and you're done, basically. I don't know how yeah, to do that. But I, just, <laughs> all I have to close error. everything. Good night. Yeah, yeah, I've had that trouble too. I do think it's great yeah. though for people who don't come from any kind of editing background because it does mm-hmm. everything is based on that transcript portion, right? So it's more intuitive, I think, for people maybe like me who don't have that other knowledge that they're drawing on. Mm-hmm. If you've come from, let's say, a DaVinci Resolve or something like that, then maybe you're actually learning something new but if you're starting out from zero i think descript's a really nice tool and i believe uh-huh. they have a free version that it allows you a certain number of hours of transcription per uh-huh. month and i quickly went over that but that's uh-huh. the one i'm using now i'm using descript and i'm using for my recording i'm using one called ecamm live also uh-huh. and yeah that's so i'm still always learning more about that and i feel i feel like maybe like languages maybe like teaching maybe like learning it's always it's a constant process of evolution and trial and error. And like you said, I think the main point is like language, just do it badly, start messy, and you can, you'll learn from your mistakes and you'll have models of people who are doing it better than you. You can see where they started. I think all this stuff just comes back in on itself and there's ways to just get started really cheaply and then learn from there. So I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to ask you was what people can do to get involved in your programs. You've got your live stream for the general public, I think every day you have this community. Sure. How can people join your community? And also, is there anything else that you're doing that you haven't mentioned yet?
1: Got you. Yeah, yeah. By the way, for people who it, I'm sure you've, you've told people, but for people interested in eCam, eCam super powerful. There's so much you can do with it. There's a channel called I think it's Livestream Pros with Alaria or Laria or I forget her name. Luria. I always mm-hmm. forget her name. But she goes heavy on eCam and mm-hmm. lots of great stuff don't be mm-hmm. thinking about ecambas it's only for mac yeah, yeah. um apple people i'm um, so just to mm-hmm. note um but yeah so all of our services and things like that can be found at fluentamerican.com uh so basically we're trying to make sure pronunciation whatever point you're at in terms of investment for yourself um we're here for you so the channel free resources we're doing free streams if you want to take that up a notch we have a group on telegram which is a fluentamerican.com slash telegram, where basically every single day of the week, including the weekends, I post a group of words or phrases, and then you can reply with your own audio. So we currently have four openings left in the group right now. That's current price point. So that's another option. If you want to take that a step higher, then we have the Mission English program, which is, again, the daily live streams and the small group classes. We do at least 30 a month. Typically, it's more than that. We also do... In that group, we have a pronunciation test that you can retake every other month so that way you can track your progress and things. All the lessons are saved so you can rewatch them. In the Facebook group, there's already probably about 350 classes you can watch. It adds so up, if you join it, you,
0: <laughs> especially it it very all quickly. the time. Yes. Wow.
1: So there's that. And then, of course, we have just one on one coaching options, including the premier coaching program we have. So people who are interested, For my english students who are interested in creating video content maybe they're preparing for a meeting i had one client who's like working in the finance sector in new york so he had this super big presentation so basically it's like working one-on-one intensively for a three-week period in general towards a project so you're trying to create a video you're trying to create a series of maybe reels or shorts or things like that Mm -hmm. we try to help you make the content but also in that content, you're using English in a way that you feel comfortable with. So that's mm-hmm. our last program, and all these things again are available at fluentamerican.com.
0: Awesome, awesome! I love how we're very aligned. Also, in like how we do things too. Like I don't know who else has a Telegram channel that mm-hmm. does the things like that we do. A couple, a lot of English teachers, mm-hmm. sure, but not a lot of people who are focusing on pronunciation, accent, voice, things like that. And the fact that we both have these kind of Programs that run throughout the week rather than maybe once a week or some very Uh fixed time and the way that you're doing the feedback, the way you're doing the live streaming, all of this stuff. I just feel like we're really like in sync and I just totally Uh found you by Uh accident and I'm super excited to have you come on here and talk to not only our students Uh who might be interested in this, but particularly teachers, English teachers who Uh maybe want to pivot and work in this field as well. I think it's really inspirational for them to see people like us who have just started from nothing and figured out things along the way and how just you're just killing it as i was saying earlier it's so great i to really have appreciate you that on.
1: likewise yeah thanks for I mean, reaching out i think that's the other big thing is just collaboration reaching out that's really something that's missing mm-hmm. we've been very fortunate to work with lots of other channels on youtube just by reaching out we work mm-hmm. with chris americos there's like Well accent we worked with tarl speech san diego voice and accent a couple mm-hmm. other channels as well like it's just and it's just reaching out just asking them hey you want to do stuff we've reached out to Kadar's team we haven't yep. been able to find something that works but mm-hmm. they're always open to it Maria's team like Lingua Marina like mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. are very open if you just take the time to reach out much like you did so i really appreciate yeah. Oh, what you isn't, that, isn't
0: that funny too? Because every once in a while you find somebody in this area and they're very much a lone wolf, right? And I think a lot of us are really into the community building or into the collaboration and things like that. And it just makes everything better. And I think some people maybe have a fear like, oh, they're going to take my clients or they're going to steal my ideas and things mm-hmm. like that. But that's, that's so not the case I've found in reality. It's people are worried about getting their slice of the pie, but they don't realize that the pie is just getting bigger and bigger. And so there's enough pie out there for everybody. And if we work together, we're so much stronger. So again, thanks for coming on today. It's been great.
1: Thank you. so, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so I want to say thanks to Jeff and thanks to you guys for listening and uh, reach out to him at Fluent American and let's see how we can collaborate all of us together. That would be fantastic. Thanks so much. See you soon.
1: Cool. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Bye. Bye.
0: I'm Bianca, your personal American accent coach, and I'm here to help you master an American accent in English because your voice is your choice when it comes to how you sound. I release a podcast episode every two weeks, so you should subscribe to whatever podcast platform you use so that you don't miss any new episodes. And by the way, if you want to see the full video version of the episode, it's available at Accent Coach Bianca on YouTube.